1: Yeah, yeah. You guys don't sound very excited. I'm <laughs>
2: super excited.
1: <laughs> I'm excited uh, because it's just nice. I mean, I, I'm i off quarantine. Everybody's tested negative and every, no symptoms in the house. Still, uh, the
2: waitress is kind of looking at you funny now.
1: Yeah. The, the, <laughs> it's, it's that whole the 10-foot pole thing. It's coming in. Uh, we were using a six-foot pole to drop the coffee off, just to be whatever. But, but now, uh, no, everybody's good. I'm good, and I'm happy to be back with you guys. I'm glad you guys are, are here. So Tom Dorian. um Yes, sir. and uh, Ziggy Rodriguez. And we are going to talk about the baptism of the Lord. All right. But sort of a different aspect. Um, because, you know, we've done a show on the baptism of the Lord, why Jesus was baptized. We've done, uh, there's just all kinds of different things you can look at with these readings in this uh, year, we're reading from the gospel according to Mark. Um, and of course we all know the baptism of the Lord is sort of the, um, we'll just call the, the launch party for Jesus's ministry. I like I mean, it. It's just, it's like, it's, this is when it all started when everyone started going like, who's that guy mm-hmm. right over there. And, uh, and so, uh, we have Jesus sort of the being baptized in the river Jordan mm-hmm. by John the Baptist. And, uh, and of course, what I love about this, is, and and Sam, this was kind of your idea to do uh, a show on this, uh, is I, I love when we look at an aspect of something that's said, and then kind of dive into that just a little bit. And and that, you know, Mark is very brief. He doesn't just spend a lot of, uh, there are not a lot of superfluous words.
2: Like the Ernest Hemingway of the Gospel writers.
1: That's right. He just he gets right to the point. <laughs> Uh, yes. And so, um, and so there's the, the the line at the end is, um, you are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. Mm. <clears throat> and you know, we can, <clears throat> excuse me, that chokes me up every time. And, uh, you know, you look at that and just kind of uh, uh, say, well, okay. All right, baptism of the Lord, let's move on, you know, but I want to dwell a little bit on those words you are my beloved son because we've done a show on what it means to be beloved
2: mm-hmm. right
1: right and talking about being loved and allowing yourself to be loved and I, and I love that concept of sometimes we have got to be to be beloved mm-hmm. is nice but but it's something that you have to receive mm-hmm. yep right and you have to accept i guess and then, so there's a willingness on your part to opening yourself to being vulnerable to being to allow yourself to be loved and we We go through the world and we go, like, I don't want to be loved. I'm not worthy of being loved. I can't be loved, right? And that's a bad mindset, obviously, when it comes to salvation, right? You're rejecting salvation.
2: Or sometimes, you know, we keep that, that sort of sense deep down bottled in at our core We have that sense of conflict of, I'm unlovable, I can't be loved, I'm unworthy of love, and when we turn to the world and we try to fill that in and seek love and take things in the world to replace that, sometimes without even realizing that that's actually what we're doing, that we're trying to make up for this own twisted sense of self-image that we might have. I,
1: I can't be loved, and so I need to gather the things that make me feel good. Yep. Right, and that can be certainly that's obviously a problem. And but but just the whole idea that I can't be loved is a falsehood, right? And and that's you know if if you were ever to watch any of the old movies that had any kind of theology to them, Mm -hmm. right? There was always that little uh, devil character that was sat on your shoulder, the little guy with the with the horns and the tail spike tail, you know, and the pitchfork. That guy was on your shoulder, whispering in your ear, "You can't be loved. Mm -hmm. You're too bad. There's no way. Not you." not after what you just did, right? There's no way you're coming back from this, right? He doesn't really love you. He can't, yes, no, it's not going to work out. And far too often we listen to that.
2: You know, I've heard, uh, priests say that, um, the question of what was Judas's worst sin? Uh, a lot of people, they jump to, oh, it was suicide. Cause that's what we, we or, or right. it was turning, or was turning Jesus in it was betraying Jesus. Or they'll list off just whatever thing comes to mind that sticks out as bad. But, um, the commentary I've heard that stuck with me was that Judas looked at what he did in betraying the Lord. And the reason that he took his own life was that he saw himself as being beyond mercy, that there's no way of coming back right. from that. And it was that despair, which is really what we're dealing with here. It was that despair that ultimately brought about his destruction.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, so that that's absolutely true, and I and I and we don't want to fall into that trap. We have to know that no matter what we've done, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we will do, we can never, right? We can never um, alienate ourselves from God. By our own, it's it's our choice to do that. I guess is what I'm saying.
2: We we also can't surprise God, right? Like He has a perfect plan that takes all of our mistakes into account, all of our sins into account, and all the mistakes and sins of every other person in the world.
1: But we're the ones that separate ourselves from Him. He never separates Himself from us, right? But He will. He and He said it time and time again. You know, I just think about the things that I do and the way that I feel sometimes, and usually it's right before I I realize I need to go to confession. But the point is, as I think about that, and I I just picture him there, and it's the wrong picture. Um, But it's like I picture him like being displeased with me, right? Mm. Not not loving me, and and that's me listening to the devil that I'm unlovable. You know, but more. But more realistically, he's like shaking his head to the side, going like, "When will he ever learn?"
0: Yeah, he's displeased for you.
1: Yeah, well, but it's like, when, when will you realize that you can't do anything right. that's going to be a chasm that I cannot mm-hmm. get across? Mm-hmm.
0: And
2: when we're running away from him, I'm reminded of the prodigal son story. You know, it was, it was the son who said, give me what's coming to me. He took, he turned his back. He walked away. What do we see the father doing? He is staring off into the distance when his son finally comes back into the view, which means that he never turned away from his son. Yeah.
1: Always looking for him. And then when he starts, when the son turns, which we're called to repent, he runs out to meet right. him. He, yes. doesn't, he doesn't wait on his throne. Right. Right? Well, just let him come in. In fact, lock the door and make him worry <laughs> a little bit. He doesn't do any of that. No. It's the, it's the opposite. So so that part is really powerful to me in that you are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. But then also there's this idea of, of uh, well, the big word for me is son. Right? What he says to Jesus, you are my, my beloved son, and if we stop and think about this, one of the things by the way uh I had uh, I meant to tell you this, Ziggy um, one of the times when we when I was in quarantine, the first show, I did a little holy family show, uh and it was just me and Bess because we were in quarantine together, so we did a show together and I used you had talked about being uh, that we had been you'd sent some show ideas and some concepts mm. and so I quoted you on one of those gave you credit by the Ooh, way fun. <clears throat> so the money should come rolling in anytime <laughs> and uh, and uh, you talked about being that the, the fact that we were uh, adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus that meant that the blessed mother you know and and God the Father were I mean we were children mm. along with Jesus, of the Father and of, uh, and of the Blessed Mother. Yes. And there was a connection there, a familial connection, that in our baptism, that we we're connected as a family, right? And so there's something beautiful about recognizing that God announcing to the world, this is my son, right? And then we go like, wait, well, wait, 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 wait. But if we get baptized, that's my brother, therefore let me extrapolate right right and there's a beautiful part of this is that like wait that's my daddy too yes right and so 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 we're going to spend a little time talking about what it means to have a divine father
2: and and you know the holy spirit is referred to by paul if i'm not mistaken as the spirit of the adoption of the children of god Hmm. and we are adopted by our Heavenly Father by an act of the Holy Spirit and we are invited into that same love that Jesus is experiencing. Jesus didn't need to get baptized, right? Uh, There wasn't any sins that he had that were getting washed away. He was stepping into those waters... Uh, inviting us he he was creating the path much as Joshua you know w- marched through the Jordan River to cross into the promised land, he was leading the way where we would follow him into those waters and uh, and stand in that same place to receive the father 's love
1: yeah he was he was giving us he just follow me <laughs> right follow me and uh, and so when we follow him that 's a good thing and our so our but our baptism. That's the key. That's the thing that we, when we've been baptized, see that more, more happens at your baptism than, than maybe you've really thought. Some of you, obviously, I'm preaching to the choir here and you know how important and powerful baptism is, but our separated brothers and sisters don't see that. They don't mm-hmm. see, they see baptism as an ordinance. It's like a wedding ring. It's, it's, a, it's a sign to everyone around you that you've been accepted into this community. Mm-hmm. And there is an aspect of that that's true. But deeper than that, there's a, there's a reality that now you are uh, essentially, by the Holy Spirit, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are bound now into this family.
2: It's an efficacious sign.
1: That's exactly right. And that's why, I, I, I don't want to be presum- presumptive here, <laughs> but that's why Jesus says, unless you're born anew, born again of water and spirit, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Because to be in the kingdom of God is essentially to be in that family. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so your baptism is a sign of you being in that family. And so that's what's going on at your baptism. That's why it's so powerful and so important. And why we need to wake ourselves up to realize that there's something special about <clears throat> about divine sonship. Or about divine daughtership? Daughterhood? What do you say? I don't know. I don't know.
2: Motherhood, like like yeah, daughter-hood. Da- daughterhood, it is. Because I've been, on,
1: I was once on the mothership, but that was that's a whole other show right there, and that's like a late night uh, podcast. Yeah, but uh, but no, so so we'll look at it from the other perspective of divine fatherhood.
2: You know, and another thing that comes to mind as you're saying this, you know, we Catholics have the experience. The child, a lot of times, is baptized as an infant. You're a new parent. You've got this child. You're presenting it to the priest, to the church, to the baptismal waters. You're inviting our heavenly Father officially to also adopt that child, and yes, you can't, you can't imagine a better co-parenting arrangement than that. Yes, <laughs>
1: no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right, and and honestly, a Christian father is supposed to be following in the in the way spiritually of the Father with yes. the capital F, right? That's why we call our priests fathers because they're our spiritual dads. Right. They're supposed to be, and they're supposed to act like that right in this in the same way that your biological father or your adoptive father like here on earth your human father your stepfather even or some strong man in your life that has always had sort of a parental kind of relationship with you they are they're supposed to be modeling themselves after the father the abba exactly and that's why um, so we're going to go. We're going to talk more about this and what that means and how that plays out in in, in life. Because I know also life is not always perfect, uh, and things get broken and busted up. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how we deal with that. Uh, so talking again with uh, Ziggy and uh, Tom hear about uh, d- divine fatherhood and how important that is to us here on at the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Uh, we are going to continue with this conversation. We're going to take a break, but before we take that break, I want to remind folks we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com, and I have waited three weeks to hear this.
2: And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. I'm so excited. <laughs>
3: And this is another great moment in church history. On October 7, 1571, the great naval battle of Lepanto was fought between the Ottoman Turks and an alliance of Catholic kingdoms assembled by Pope Pius V. This titanic sea battle fought for the freedom of Christianity in Europe and the preservation of Western civilization, was entrusted to the patronage of Our Blessed Mother through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. The Ottoman Turks had been trying to dominate the Mediterranean Sea with their navy for many years. They slowly captured small Christian outposts and sold much of the population into slavery. The Ottoman armies were brutal and merciless. They sought to exterminate Christianity from all of Europe. After the Turks began the conquest of Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, all Christian Europe became alarmed. Pope Pius V recognized the threat from the Turkish forces and convinced the political rulers of the day to form an alliance that might defend the Christian people of Europe from the threat of the Ottoman Turks. Pius assembled the brave knights of Malta, the Kingdom of Spain, the Venetians, and several other Italian kingdoms into a naval force that was finally able to challenge Turkish naval dominance. The last knight of Christendom, Don Juan of Austria led the Christian forces. On the day of the Great Battle of Lepanto, the Pope implored all of Christian Europe to seek the intercession of Our Lady of Victory through praying the Rosary. As the Christian ships met the Ottoman host on the turbulent seas, Pius V led a rosary procession through St. Peter's Square in Rome. The entire endeavor was given over to the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Pope was given a vision which assured him that the Christian forces had prevailed. There was a great foreboding that the Christian forces were going to fail against the superior Turkish fleet. But through the Pope's faith and the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, the Christian fleet miraculously carried the day and drove the enemy ships out of Christian waters. The Turkish losses were so great that they were never able to recoup their strength as a mighty naval power. Pius V commemorated the Christian victory at Lepanto through the Blessed Mother's intercession by establishing the feast of Our Lady of Victory. Pope Paul VI change the name of the feast to Our Lady of the Rosary. This feast day is celebrated on October the 7th. I'm Bess Zimski, and this has been another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff.
1: Thank you, Deacon Chip, for saying, here's Deacon Jeff. I love to hear him say that. And uh, of course, this is Deacon Jeff in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe and sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez and and Thomas Patrick Dorian. And we're talking about divine fatherhood. So I know your dad. Yes, I am. Your dad's, I should say. Your dad. I mean, you know. What are you saying? I'm just saying.
2: I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, I know you're the, talking about our dads, or you're talking about him being a dad,
1: big daddy. I guess it's, I'm, it's like <laughs> yeah. we all have this. We share the same father, is what I'm trying to ah, say sorry, in a in a non controversial way because uh, it's it's beautiful and there's something beautiful about the concept of that we are divine sons of the Father, yes. adopted sons of the Father, adopted brothers of Jesus, and of course, if you're a woman listening, we know you're not a son. And we don't know what that's called, a daughter, daughterhood or daughtership? Daughterhood. daughterhood. probably? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Daughterness. Daughterness. Your, your daughterness. Yes, divine daughterhood. And we'll, yeah. go with, we'll go with it. That sounds we good. We don't
2: get this right. We're going to get male.
1: You know what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay, because you know we mean well. We right? do. And that's what we mean well. So Totally. And we're, we've been spending time talking here about uh, the first chapter of Mark. Uh, I think it's verse 11, where you hear this voice come from the sky. I can't imagine what that was like. Right, You are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. You know, let's paint that picture just for a second because this is one of the times, one of the rare times in scripture where there is essentially uh, the the Trinity is revealed before our human eyes, Mm -hmm. right? Because where you, I mean, because what it says there is on Jesus coming up out of the water. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is where a lot of Protestants get that you've got full full immersion. Uh-huh. In their mind, he was underwater. But anyway, all that's that's a whole other show. Right? Could have been ankle ankle deep, and he came up out of that water. That's right. Jesus, get up out of that water. Anyway, <laughs> so he comes out of the water, and then a spirit, uh, the, the the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, or like a dove, descends. Mark says descends upon him. Right, and then you hear the voice yeah. from the heavens. So we got the Father in the voice of the heavens, we got the Holy Spirit obviously in the dove, and we got the son there mm. and that's that's powerful that we see you know the holy three mm-hmm. all together essentially manifested, manifested in the voice and in the dove
2: it's a family picture
1: that's exactly right, a family picture and uh and then everyone from that point forward who is baptized gets photoshopped into that picture, <laughs> you know, to bring it up to date. But essentially, we all become members of that family. And that family picture keeps getting bigger. You know, remember those, those old-timey pictures that were like three feet long oh, and yeah. right. six inches wide? You know, usually yeah. like military groups yep. and marching bands. And well, they don't do those much anymore, but they essentially took these really wide pictures. Well, it's like, imagine that going on for eternity on either side. Right. And that's the family of God. And how powerful that is for us. Now, the challenge then becomes: what is, does the does the world receive that?
2: Mm.
1: Well, the answer is like an unequivocal no. I think. I think the world rejects it for the most part, and you start to it's realize that. Well, it's and it is getting worse. And I, and I think the sadness is that it's it's getting worse to the point where a lot of people think that there are things that are good, but then they end up being bad. Mm-hmm. Right where you want to be tolerant and accepting of others and other ideas, you want to be pastoral, but at the same time you don't stand up for the truth, and that can be problematic. Right. Right. I think in terms of uh, uh, well, well, you know, like like gender neutral terms, things that kind of wash away things that are like biologically sound that have always been accepted, and now we don't want to have genders anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And and one of the things now we don't get political on this show. I don't really want to talk about politics, but I will just say thank you that uh, that, that I, you could consider getting political a little bit. But I just was reading over the weekend about over last weekend rather about um, new uh, house rules announced by the speaker of the house. <coughs> right. And the new house rules were going to eliminate basically any mention of gender when it comes to family right so father mother sister brother it was going to be parent and sibling right and siblinghood and, and and parenthood and not fatherhood or mother you know and so mother-in-law sister all those things were going to be gone now i don't know what that means I, and i don't even, i didn't read it cuz i look at that stuff and i just i go meh you know i'm not going to i'm just not falling for that but there is there's definitely a move afoot in the world especially in the secular world to erase fatherhood to erase dads
2: mm-hmm. and, and some and mothers. mothers oh yeah well and there's some people who want to change the name of the trinity to the the creator the redeemer and the sanctifier for example yes as well.
1: it's a take away right what what god has revealed right and, and and to replace it with like sort of a neutralized watered down version of of things or more tolerant and accepting and the problem with that is i mean you've got uh People announcing that, like, well, we're not going to call this person uh, the birth mother. We're going to talk about the 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 birth person, and it's like, well, wait, what do you mean? What are you teaching the kids, right? Right. And and there's a part of that. So there's there's that sort of uh, deprogramming kind of thing that's going on, which I think is, I think it's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. I think it's. We'll just say it's participating. It's it's you're flirting with the devil there. Mm -hmm. I think it's bad. I think it's bad all around because it teaches the wrong message. It also destroys. You are my beloved son or daughter. It destroys the concept of divine fatherhood.
2: And and also, let's let's keep in mind that, that line, With whom I am well pleased. Right, that's a huge thing because he's not just a loving father; he's a doting father. Mm -hmm. The Lord delights in you. You're exactly who God had in mind when He loved you into existence. Sometimes we have father wounds and mother wounds where we think, "Gosh, I didn't really get loved by my parents," and it's hard to think of my the God who can see everything actually loving me. Well, when your parents, you know, brought you into the world, they couldn't go on a a chalkboard and make a list of the things, the, the strengths and weaknesses that you might have, right, and say, "Oh, this is exactly who we want." They couldn't do that, but God was able to do that, and God did do that. And you are exactly who God had in mind when He loved you into existence, and He yeah. is well pleased with you.
1: Yeah, Amen, Amen. That pleased part is is powerful too. And so, if you get rid of divine fatherhood, you get rid of the possibility of being of being pleasing.
2: Yeah, being received with that heart, right? That father's heart. That's you're, his you're basically heart.
1: rejecting that, or or not allowed to experience the person that loves you no matter what right and then everything becomes contractual um, and and so you look at that on top of things because you 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 mentioned the people that don't accept that and the, the reality there's also there's just there's sin and there's brokenness so we have broken families you have people who can't help it but they're born into a single parent family because of the circumstances and i understand that there's lots of things that happen that cause that and i'm not saying it's as simple as like don't sin anymore I am saying, though, that if we make it worse by eliminating the need for fathers, eliminating the need for mothers, I don't want to see that. I don't want to be in that world. Mm-mm. Yeah,
2: it's not, it, it's not healing to just wipe out the picture and neutralize everything. The thing that's healing is restoring us to a true vision of reality, which is that we have been loved into existence by Abba. Mm-hmm. A, a, a God who loves us tenderly as our father.
1: Right. And so you young men out there, you need to be thinking about how you treat those young ladies. And what is your what is your motivation? What is your purpose when you're with that young lady? Uh, so we're, we, we, we have to understand everything. I've told my boys, like when you're dating, you're actually rehearsing for marriage. That's true. I mean, you're actually finding your wife. Yeah, that's true. That's, so so I'm okay with dating, but you don't date just for fun. I'm just having some fun. No, no, that's not why we date. It's courting. We're looking for that spouse, the spouse that God has chosen for you. And so you need to be taking these things seriously. And the rest of us need to be looking at these familial relationships and realizing that if we aren't falling into the pattern of the divine father and also the blessed mother, if we're not seeing uh, our parenting in that way, then we need to pony up. We need to do a little better job. We need to focus on clean our house so that we can be better parents. We need to focus on this stuff because we've got to shore up the family. We've got to rebuild the family. We've got to go back to the basics, to the beauty, to the gift of family because that's the only way that we can experience like essentially the divine here on this earth is through the concept of the, of the family lived out, in terms of the holy family, lived out in terms of the Trinitarian uh, revelation of God in our existence. And that's where truth is. That's where beauty is. And that's where we find the love, the mercy. You know, having a divine father means we're going to be loved forever, mm-hmm. no matter what. I want that.
2: And if someone listening is like, I've never experienced family, true family in the home, well, they can begin with the church.
1: Amen. Amen. Get, get get right with God. Get right with the church. You'll get right with your family. It'll be a beautiful thing. And that will that will change the world and make this world a beautiful uh, and a wonderful place. And so, so as we uh, celebrate the feast of the baptism of the Lord, let's just call upon the, our divine Father to give us the strength and the courage to be who God is calling each of us as adopted children of God to be. And let's ask the Blessed Mother to help us in this endeavor.
0: Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com, where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.